This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, guys, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101, as always, presented by our good friends over at Scentlock. Scentlock, in my opinion, is the gold standard for especially whitetail hunting. They have built a full toolkit with the BE1 series. And now they're adding things in to really complete that toolkit, like belts, gloves, backpacks, um, really to create an, uh, a toolkit to get you all through the season. If you have not checked out Scentlock, I would highly recommend you do so. I, uh, I, did, I got a message the other day, Chris. I got a message, and they said, did you know that you start every podcast with all right, guys? And I'm like, man, I need to change that up. But I don't know how to change it up. Like I went to just now, and I'm like, what do I say? And then I just went, all right, guys. Um, so I guess I'll just stick with it. That's my sign on, I guess. I've got Chris Chain season report coming to you live from Turkey Camp. I'm a little jealous. He just showed me around the cabin. Um, I don't think the elk was killed there, but uh still a nice addition. No, no, that was a Colorado elk. Very cool. Now I have raved about season report for a while now. If you have not checked out, I would highly recommend you do so. Uh, let's just get this out in the open before we begin but you can go to seasonreport.com, use code HUNTING101 in all caps, and that's going to make the entire platform of Season Report just 10 bucks for you. I would highly recommend you check it out. At least give it the free run, um, and then you can use that code HUNTING101 to make it just 10 bucks for an entire year. Chris, man, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Uh, things, are, things are progressing along. It's, we got through that winter that was rough on everybody, and now turkey camps here and things are looking up yeah winter was no fun and it's kind of hanging on you know what i mean it's one of those times where i'm all for snow i absolutely love snow in like december uh but now that it's april and it's still dumping i'm like come on man i'm ready to get out and enjoy some springtime absolutely it snowed on me on the way out and that is quite rare for virginia yeah no it uh i went to total archery challenge last weekend in oklahoma which by the way um, was phenomenal. Thank you for all of those that, that came out and, uh, and shot the course, checking out the bare bows, the trophy rich sites. We had an absolute blast. 
when I woke up Thursday morning, it was dumping snow. And by the time, and I mean dumping. And by the time I left to go to Total Archery Challenge in the afternoon, it was 70. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Woke up the next morning in Oklahoma, back to 30. And I'm like, man, come on. Yeah, that's how it is here. But uh, at least we're getting some rain because we've been so dry for so long. The uh, the place I'm um, staying at, you got to cross a river to get here. And it's always a little dicey on whether you can can cross it in a truck. And uh, I, I started a little late because I needed to watch some of the guys that go in a little bit too deep of water it's quite a show i bet i uh one time i had a buddy and we had a similar deal a place where we hunted you had to cross a creek and and uh my buddy said he was driving my pickup i don't remember why but i was sitting in the passenger seat he was driving and he said you think we can make it across there and i said no i absolutely don't he said all right boom just went right i'm like come on man there was water up to my up to my windshield and I'm like, I went home. I'm like, dad, listen, I wasn't driving. He's like, I know it's worse that you let your idiot friend drive. And I'm like, well, you know, yeah, that's one of those excuses. Like I got it. And then you deliver it and it just, Oh, I made, I made the situation even worse. Falls on deaf ears. Yeah. He's no. like, well, listen, I know Isaac. And the fact that you gave him your keys is dumber than you driving. And I'm like, come on, man. I tried, you know, but on the other side of that, as a parent, are you, are you starting to pick up those, those pieces of wisdom? And you're like, oh, that's why they were able you know, to lift me out. <laughs> I actually hate it because there's times where like my kid will do something and I'll get mad at them. And I'm like, wait a minute. I used to, I used to do the same thing. And I'd wonder why dad was mad. You know, like I would get so frustrated. I'd be like, dad, it can't bother you that much that I'm kicking your seat. You know, it can't bother you that much. And now my kid does it. I'm like, God, I'm going to kill you. And I'm like, <laughs> now I know why my dad was always upset. See, mine is uh, when I was up to something I shouldn't be, my my dad would come home and just look at me for a second or two. And what'd you do? I don't know what you did, but you did something. And he used to piss me off because he, he knew it. He just didn't know what it was, but yeah. he was dead to rights. And then I'm starting to notice that with my daughter as yeah. she's starting to do things. You're like, ah, I don't know what you did, but oh, you, you flushed a cup down the toilet. Great. <laughs> yeah. No, dude, speaking of that, I uh, was having plumbing issues. and. I'm like, what in the heck, dude? I ran a snake through it. And I'm like, this is this is insane. So finally, I pulled my toilet. Like I had to pull the toilet, and there was a shampoo bottle. It had made it all the way through the like, so you couldn't see it, couldn't. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, my kids, man. <laughs> but luckily, we're not here to talk about kids because we could go on and on telling horror right. stories about our kids, uh, how they pee on your 3D targets, and you know all that good stuff. I had one guy, he sent me a, a message and uh, he had heard me tell the story about my boy peeing on my targets. And uh, he said, proof, man, or it didn't happen. And I'm like, I got proof, man. Uh, and next time I was with him, I'm like, look, showed him a picture. And sure enough, my kid was outside whizzing on my raccoon target. So <laughs> I'm like, I got proof to every story I tell, man. <laughs> Chris, give us an update on season report, man. You have dropped some bombs here in the past, uh, I don't know, three months or so. Um, and, uh, really, man, some things are taking off. You have partnered strategically with our good friends over at Hal. um, some big things happen in a season report. And I'm telling you guys, if you're not on the season report train, you better get on, uh, because it is phenomenal. Uh, but walk us through some of those changes, man. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate the, the kind words. Uh, you know, at the end of the hunting season, I realized that there was, you know, I always had this vision of being kind of a total almanac for what's around you, but 
at the end of last hunting season when almost everybody had already done everything and there there was just a lot of sitting around and waiting, I realized it was a perfect opportunity to just forecast dates uh, for next fall and next year. And so that was a cool addition that I, I rolled out where, you know, these everything changes, but it changes subtly. And so yeah. just I, I put a disclaimer up front and just be like, hey, you know, your favorite spot that you have saved on your personal dashboard. You know, this is probably what the dates are going to be, but there's a big disclaimer that says this is just for general planning purposes only. Uh, you know, it's still up to you to to come back and double check once once uh, it gets a little closer. And then over the winter, I just I buckled down and I really I filled out all the lower 48 in gardening and foraging. And it's not absolutely complete, but it's everything that you could grow from your Lowe's or Home Depot. Uh, location specific, different plant growing zones, what you should put in the ground, when, uh, when you should, if you're starting from seeds, when you should start your seeds, if it's advisable to increase the plant hardiness for that plant, you, uh, that tells you right there really quick and easy to interpret and then put it in the ground and when you should anticipate your harvest. And so what I'm really building, I think it's, it's come to the point where describing it as a, a modernized almanac is a little bit better of a term because it's it's everything that you can go in the woods or or grow in your own garden and and bring to the dinner table. You know, I personally and I've talked a lot about this in arrow building, but I think gardening and foraging is one of those arts that's been lost upon the sportsman uh, or the outdoorsman. Um you know, sometimes we think we're like, well, I'll handle the killing. Like my wife can take care of the veggies and like, we're, you know, we're in, in every literal sense, meatheads, um, myself included 90% of what I eat is meat. Um, and then the fruits that I eat are not the good fruits and vegetables. Um, but anyways, what I, what I mean by that is it's been lost upon us. And then you look at these guys and, and, you know, we could, we could certainly start naming some off, but you look at some of these guys on social media and, and you're like, man, these dudes should have been born a hundred years ago. Um, you know, because they, they 100% live off the land. You know, if it's not meat, they killed, it's meat they raised. Um, and if it's, and if they're having potatoes, they probably grew them. If they're having asparagus or, or corn or whatever else, they probably grew it. If they're having mushrooms, they probably found them. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, all of these things you're like, man, these dudes should have been born a hundred years ago. Well, that is a, a an, an art, I believe, you know, that's part of the outdoor life. And my kid come home from school. She's 10. She came home from school and in her science class all year long, they've been doing a gardening project awesome. where they go outside like, you know, three hours a day, which is exciting for me because I'm like, cool, my kid's outside doing stuff. Uh, but she come home pumped up about gardening and she's like, dad, why can't we do this? Why can't we go outside and get strawberries out of our backyard? Why can't we have blueberries popping up? Why can't we have okra? Why can't we have this stuff? And I'm like, we can, you know, like, um, and so she is fired up about this. And then you drop the gardening side of things. Cause I have no idea how to garden. I'm like, dude, I kill anything I touch. Um, <laughs> not in a good way. Like my wife's like water the flowers. I water them one time and somehow I mess them up. But, um, and I'm like, I don't know when to plant, how to plant. I don't know. You know, I would love my favorite thing, man. I love, uh, venison steak tacos. It's like my favorite thing in the world. Um, if I'm cooking wild game, it's usually like, even if it's bear meat, venison, whatever, I love making 
fajita tacos out of out of wild game. Well, then I started thinking. I'm like, man, I like salsa, like fresh garden salsa. And I'm like, why don't I have a salsa garden? Well, a, I don't have any idea how to do it, and b, I'm lazy. Um, but again, you've given this information in a way where it's like we can get back to that art, like we can get back to that pure sense of growing what we're eating, killing what we're eating, foraging for what we eat. And it's awesome. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I'm starting to hear from a lot of different people. They're saying the same thing. Like I never was a gardener. And, wow. You know, I, I use this service for the hunting, but I started a garden this year or, uh, homesteaders are really getting involved with this because it, it lays out their entire year kind of on one personalized platform. And then, um, you know, the foraging is what has me really excited. And, you know, the inspiration you were, you were mentioning like those, those tacos and could you make your own salsa? Uh, the foraging really was inspired at deer camp here last year where, you know, I always had it in the back of my mind, but we were lucky enough to find some chicken of the woods mushrooms and my buddy got a deer and to have like to have a meal where you have fresh cooked tenderloin and fresh sauteed mushrooms and you're sitting on the porch and you can point in either direction exactly where those foods came from. And it was such an incredible meal. Yeah. And that's the way that life should be. Um, but again, for many of us, it's just been lost. You know, it's been and, you know, I, I don't want to call it a midlife crisis because I'm not in midlife yet. But um, I'd say two years ago, I started this journey of really trying to simplify my life. Um in every sense, uh, archery, let's dumb down the equipment. Um, you know, went from a, a drop away to a whisker biscuit from sidebars to a single front stable. I mean, just everything about my bow, let's simplify it. Let's not, let's not overthink stuff. Let's just get back to the joy of archery. And, and then it was, let's move to traditional archery because that's an art form in and of itself, um, to building your own arrows, to, you know, simplifying and, and really honing in on the art of what we do and how we do it. And then this comes out and I'm just like, yeah, I need to, I need to be more of a well-rounded sportsman to where when I'm feeding my family, I can say, you just picked those, you just pulled those, you just, whatever you brought those in and washed them yourself, you know, whatever else. Um, because that's the way life was for me. You know, I remember going out helping my grandmother's, you know, pull veggies and and go inside and wash them and prepare them for dinner. And there's just something, there's something primal about that. You know, even if it's not the harvesting and killing of an animal, there's something primal about, we grew this, we pulled this, we, you know, we prepared this, this is our food. Um, you know, and I, again, it's just something where I'm trying to get back to the art of everything that I do. Um, and, you know, it kind of, what kind of kicked that off, I was at a, a mountain archery fest and I met this guy, uh, and he runs Aero Junkie, is what it's called. And and really, you know, I'll be a hundred percent honest. Being the an outdoorsman, uh, the logo got me. You know, the 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 appeal to arrows and and Sasquatch carrying out a deer. I mean, that's what got me. Uh, but then he pulled me in, and we started talking. And he's like, "Man, you know, I sell everything that you need to make your own arrows at home." And uh, he's like, "Because." That's just something that has been lost upon us is making your own arrows. It's like, so I sell all the tools you need uh, to build your own arrows, saws and, 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 you know, planers and all of these things. If you're into, you know, wooden arrows, all of the stuff that you need to crest your own arrows, all of these things. 
He's like, I, I want to equip people with everything they need to build their own arrows so that people can get back to the art of building arrows. And I'm just like, you're right. Like, I've always been, you know, I'll fletch my own arrows, but from from start to finish, never built my own arrows. And so, you know, that's just kind of where my life has brought me. And so I was personally really excited about this because it helps you get back to that 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 primitiveness of of your own food. No, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, another layer to that is there's, you know, we, it's a lot healthier, not just on the food that you're intaking, but it keeps you active. It keeps you outside in the sun, moving stuff. You're constantly exercising. And like, once you slowly shift your lifestyle over to sourcing your own food as much as possible, it, I mean, that really gets us back to, so I, in my biology class, I, I talk about our ancestors were, you know, we're hunter gatherers and uh, obesity is largely a modern problem. And it really just kind of brings you back to kind of the, the hardware that is running our bodies. And it just makes you, you feel good throughout the whole year. Mind, body, yeah. and soul. Yeah, absolutely, man. And Hey, I got news for you. <laughs> this COVID problem ain't going away. Like we're not, in the far foreseeable future, we ain't going to see a drop in meat prices. We're not going to see a drop in veggie prices. We're not going to see, you know, more things available to us. Um, and it was amazing to me, all these people that didn't like wild game. Well, when COVID hit and they couldn't buy beef or beef was outrageously expensive. Uh, but, you know, there was months where you couldn't go to Walmart and buy a steak. You couldn't go to Walmart and buy a pound of beef. Yeah. Um, it was amazing to me, these people that, oh, I don't like wild game. I can't believe you would go and do that kind of stuff. Come to you and say, hey, you think, uh, do you have any extra meat for, for right now? And uh, I'm like, you know what? I sure do. Um, but, you know, these these types of problems, they're not going away in the far foreseeable future. And no. uh, And we will be the ones that keep eating good. I can tell you that. It, it, there is a certain level of uh, comfort. Obviously, it's going to be, it's difficult to, to count on. You know, if I'm being completely honest, if I had to go completely uh, on my own two hands, right, it'd, it'd be bad quick. But it is nice to know that you can kind of uh, spread it out and, and make things easier over the long haul that way. Yeah. Hey, I'm not, I'm not telling you that I don't go to the store. I love a good ribeye. Uh, I'm not telling you I'm a hundred percent wild game because I love chicken. Um, you know, I, I'm not telling you that at all. I, I'll, I'll throw in some beef. I'll throw in some chicken. I'll throw in some pork. Um, but like you said, it's wonderful when everybody else is freaking out and I'm like, Hey babe, what do you want? You want bear meat? You want duck? You want fish? You want, what do you want? What do you want to eat tonight? You know, um, got some pork chops from Texas. You know, what do you want? Um, it's, it's an awesome thing, man. And it, it really does bring that, that sense of, you know what, no matter what crumbles around us in the world, we've got this, you know, we can, and I told my wife at one point, you know, like in the darkest of, of things where, where things were crazy. I'm like, well, listen, sweetheart, all we got to do is run downstairs and grab a couple backpacks and we can live in the mountains for months. You know, I'm like, I, you know, I keep enough mountain house meals and, you know, I've got my stove and everything there. We can run out to the mountains and live for a couple months if we have to, you know, we've got the sleeping bags, the tents, we've got all that stuff. Uh, we're fine. And, and there's just that sense of just, we got this, you know, you know, I, I think you make a really good point. Um, and it's kind of been dawning on me lately that the world is, anybody who's paying attention can see it's, it's changing in some subtle ways and some, some large ways. And I mean, there's all this talk about 
autonomy of supply chains here in North America, energy independence, uh, you know, feeding and approaching 8 billion people on the planet. There are some really large problems. And I think, you know, to kind of take a tangential step of, of a motivation for making season report, I think our, our wilderness areas are probably going to be under pretty intense pressure coming up pretty soon. And I, you know, one of the things that I'm finding rewarding with Caesar Report is I'm hearing from so many different people, non-hunters, hunters, everybody who finds this useful. Uh, and it feels like it's got the potential to really grow into a big tent. And because we all, everybody who cares about any of these different pursuits really cares about the same thing, keeping a, a healthy ecosystem around them. And I think by making that big tent, maybe we can we can stave off you know, some, some new developments that clear cut a, a forest or some habitat or, or this plant going in here, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Um, and, and that's the, where the issue lies is, is, you know, you just said it yourself is, is people think, Oh, you're hunters. How could you ever do that? Well, I can promise you, I care more about the deer than you'll ever care about the deer. I care more about the turkeys and their population and their health than you ever will. Um, but you think because you refuse not to consume them, because you refuse not to go out and chase them, because you you think that you're the one that cares about wild places and that you care about the animals. But I promise you as sportsmen and outdoorsmen, we care more about the animals than you ever will know. And it's the same for people who you know, are out foraging or who are out gardening, they care about the wild places more than people ever understand. Yep. Um, and, and again, I think it's just a, a really cool thing. Um, but, you know, I thought about that for a minute uh, when I was back on the arrow junkie, uh, arrow junkie topic. Um, you know, I thought to myself, if somebody's really passionate about seeing people get back to the art of building their own arrows, why not give them a one-stop shop for all the stuff they need to build their own arrows? And that's what he did. And that's what you do. Um, you're passionate about seeing people live off the land, about getting back to a natural way of life, of, of hunting, harvesting, foraging, gardening. And not only are you saying, oh, I care about people doing this, but you're giving everybody the tools they need in order to do it. And that right there just shows, you know, you're putting your money where your mouth is, you're putting your time where your mouth is, and, and you're showing, I not only say these things, but I'm so passionate about it that I'm going to give you everything you need in order to do it. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's, it's really become quite rewarding in the last few months, uh, hearing, hearing feedback like that. And, uh, you know, that we've talked about everything that's happened thus far, but, uh, you know, looking forward, I have, uh, I'm slowly introducing fishing. I'm not quite so confident to say fishing is, is there and I'll put it on the front page. It's there. There's a handful of States that I have fishing, uh, regulations put in. But uh, at this point, I'm kind of focusing on, on coastal states where it really matters a lot more, where there's both freshwater and saltwater and so many regulations to sift through. And um, yeah, once once the we grow a little bit and and can um, can expand, fishing will be right there as a fourth pillar in, in local food opportunities. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That is awesome. And I told, I don't know if you're a fan of Alone, the TV show. Yeah. I absolutely love Alone. Um, I'll definitely binge that more than once. <laughs> yeah, I'm like obsessed with it. And uh, somebody was like, what is Season Report? And I said, think about it this way. If somebody on Alone could have it, they would last forever. Um, <laughs> definitely helps. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, going back to fishing, um, talking about like – 
sustaining life. Like if you really want to want to live off of the land, off the water, off of foraging, hunting, gardening, fishing is a large portion of that because of the healthy fats. Um, you don't get that from, from a lot of wild game. And that's why I've been lucky enough to have two winners of alone on the show. Um, and, uh, one was, uh, Jordan Jonas and you know he killed a moose which was the first ever big game harvest on the show and he was literally starving to death um what's called protein starvation because he wasn't getting enough fats and uh and so if we're really getting down to let's live off the land live off of what we kill what we what we catch what we you know pull up out of the ground ourselves fishing is going to play a large part of that mm-hmm. um because we need those fats from 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 fish um that you know, a lot of wild game just isn't going to give us. Certainly. And you know, that's, so I don't know if you know this, my, my background is uh, molecular genetics and uh, the research I was doing was focused on, on muscle and specifically the metabolism of muscle. And so it was one of those uh, additional layers to, to Caesar report, thinking about all these different food sources with respect to, you know, their, their biochemical profile and like how they are actually going to influence your, uh, your fiber type and stuff like that. And it, you know, I can go on in that direction. I'll stop, but, uh, you're exactly right. There's, I think foraging fish, uh, foraging, gardening and hunting is good, but it's incomplete without fishing. Yeah. And I told, um, one of my buddies had this idea. We, you know, we got on the addiction of, of alone and, and, uh, one of my buddies was like, well, dude, let's just head into, you know, wherever the Ozark national forest or that's where I'm from. So that was the first place that hit our minds, but let's head into wherever and let's just carry a, a, a gun and water and just live. And I'm like, ah, you know, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree there, partner. <laughs> um, a, because you get in a place like the Ozark mountains, there's not a lot of vegetation to eat. Um, and then you didn't even mention fishing pole. And I'm like, you know, if I kill, four squirrels i can make it for a little bit uh but i'm gonna have to catch some fish too and so this whole idea came about and we haven't done it yet a because we have young kids and for our wives to say you're going for how long to do what like you know it just doesn't work and so um, yeah walking around in the woods with a gun and we'll see what happens isn't it really good i'll see you on monday (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, no kidding um (laughs) no kidding uh especially when you know my life revolves my, my life, everything about my life now revolves around the hunting industry. And, and you look at, you know, we're trying to plan a vacation and I'm like, well, I've got a total archery challenge that weekend, or I've got a mountain archery fest that weekend, or there's an event this, or I'm hunting that weekend. I'm, oh, I'm gone this. And, and so for me to add an additional, Hey, I'm, I'm going for a week and we're just going to see if we can live. Um, probably ain't going to fly. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, not at all. Now, before we move on, let me give a quick thank you to our friends over at Three Rivers Archery. Three Rivers Archery is your longbow and recurve experts. They've got fast, same-day shipping. I can promise you this. They're absolute number one in customer service. Um, you can call you can call Three Rivers and talk to them for hours, getting answers to all of your traditional archery questions. And they know the answers because they use the gear, they hunt with the gear, they're just experts. They're the number one in customer service. They're also the world's largest supplier of in-stock traditional and primitive archery gear. So you guys got to go check out our friends over at Three Rivers Archery. Go check out their website, threeriversarchery.com, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. If you're a traditional archer, you're probably familiar with Three Rivers Archery. And it's just one of those companies, again, getting back to the art of hunting. 
they get back to the art of it. Go check out our friends over at Three Rivers Archery. They're also good friends of Bear Archery. Chris, you are currently... Did we have our additional guests come in yet? Our, our yeah, guest Isaac, star? Isaac showed up. Give us a quick introduction to Isaac as he gets in the in the frame there. So this, hey is, my buddy, this is my buddy Isaac, uh, a fellow BHA member, actually board member of uh, Capital Region. And we met at a... What a, a pint night. Yeah. About a year ago in Richmond and then yeah. went hunting a few times. Very cool. I don't remember who it was. I did a podcast one time with backcountry hunters and anglers. Um, I'd have to go back and look who it was, but man, they were a stinking riot. Um, he got on and, and he was like, what am I drinking alone? And I, I'm like, well, it's two o'clock and I'm working. So yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it was just one of those deals. He was a riot, man. But, but, uh, man, thanks for jumping on here. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you having me. Um, excited to talk with you guys. Um, cause Chris and I were talking, uh, I'm a little late cause I, I was making the journey out here. Chris and I, I don't know if he's already mentioned this, probably has doing a little Turkey hunting. I was thrilled to see a couple hens crossing the road on my way oh, here. Nice. So Good. got you distracted. Um, I got distracted a little <laughs> bit. I might've done, I might've gotten uh, on a, on a little bit of a tangent doing some pre-scouting here nice. for our day tomorrow. Um, but yeah, just Chris and I were talking, I, I'd love to come on and, and talk to you guys a little bit about something we're doing here in Virginia um, coming up this summer. Uh, we have an annual event hosted by National Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Um, it's called Muster in the Mountains. Uh, it moves around on the East Coast every year. I don't year. like mustard. <laughs> have, you, have you been to Muster? No, I have not. Um, so we're, we're looking to do it in Virginia this year. Um, we've got a great venue, Devil's Backbone Brewery, um, kind of located centrally in Virginia in the mountains, Nelson County, um, arguably, and probably in my opinion, one of the, the most gorgeous parts of Virginia. It's oh, gorgeous, yeah. Um, it's going to be July 22nd through the 23rd. Um, so Friday night, you know, everybody will come in. We have campsites and everything reserved. Um, Wade and Rachel with Elevated Wild. Um, who, who you might've run into in the hunting world here, they're going to be, uh, they're on the board with us and they're going to be there, um, doing some, doing some cuisine for us, which is really a privilege because they are just, they are super talented with taking any kind of wild game, any kind of foraged, you know, mushrooms, berries, whatever you can find in the woods, um, and turning it into like five-star meals. I mean, it's, oh, it, yeah. they are incredible. You know, I love people that I love people that not only like talk to talk about, you know, cooking wild game, but can throw it down. You know what I mean? Like, yes. You know, we see a lot about John Dudley and his, his cooking abilities. And, uh, you know, we're like, okay, you know, you can cook whatever, but at a, at a total archery challenge one time, he, he pulled out, he has his little trailer that he pulls with him. He pulls out the biggest, fattest steaks you've ever seen. He throws down some asparagus. He brings out some cheesecake. And we're like, holy crap, man. And it was five-star good. Yeah. I, I like to, those guys. I went to uh, a deer processing class from uh, Wade and Rachel. And it it was very informative. It was super cool. I realized some things that I was doing majorly wrong. I wouldn't say majorly, <laughs> but uh, you see somebody break an entire deer down inside i mean he could have easily done it inside of 20 minutes uh whereas i might take more close to an hour or something uh 
it was it was really cool to watch them work but then some of the stuff that they had prepared like uh beaver i think they had some some elk sausage and beaver sausage and it just so many different types of animals all in one charcuterie plate it was all different oh. preparations and different flavors it was incredible oh yeah man one time we were uh i saw a guy one time break down an entire deer without gutting it and i was like how are you gonna do this man and uh sure enough he did it and i'm like wow um, I'm not going to try to emulate it because I couldn't, but <laughs> that sounds like you're, you're playing with fire a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll tell you actually funny story. You said you got distracted by a couple of hens. Uh, that was my buddy from, um, Liberty ranch in Oklahoma. And last time I hunted with him, I said, Hey, I'm about 30 minutes out. Why well, didn't show up for like two hours? So I get there. He's like, dude, everything. Okay. Like car trouble. Like what happened? And I'm like, no, I just spotted some deer in the field out here. And so I stopped and I was watching and and it was right before sunset. And I'm like, I pulled up the maps and I saw that you guys owned the property. And so I tried to put a stock on them and you know, whatever. And he's like, he's like, you gotta be kidding me, man. Like uh, anyways, funny story, but, um, same with the hens get a little distracted, but now you guys are at Turkey camp. Where are you at? Uh, we're in the mountains of Virginia, mountains yeah. of Virginia. I'm not going to give it away past that. We're going to keep it vague. <laughs> I was going to drop the coordinates in, in the description. Yeah. So what's your game plan for the weekend? Walk me through that. So I know we're going to, um, well, first off, this kind of a, a reciprocal education here because Isaac's definitely a fowl hunter. And he's done a little deer hunting, but just never really had an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, you know, hasn't gotten enough to find that perfect opportunity yet. And, uh, so we were out on some public land in the fall and I put him on some deer and, you know, a million things, uh, led to us not getting one, but, um, he's returning the favor and educating me because I'm horrible turkey hunting. I mostly I've only done it once and I know that I talked to one, but I've never seen one in season. So, uh, you're supposed to use calls. You're not supposed to talk to them, right? That's probably why I didn't come in. (laughs) I was just chasing him in the field. Isn't that how you do it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> what, what was I going to say? Oh, full disclaimer. I'm not a, I'm not a turkey fanatic. You know, I don't get fired up about birds. Um, I'll go a couple times a year. Last episode I had on Chris Parrish, uh, who's a product manager from Bear Archery. Uh, but he also is a NWTF Hall of Famer. And uh, he's like, well, I'll be in Kansas uh, at the end of the month. And he's like, I'll get you fired up about turkeys. And I'm like, come on with it then. Like if you, if you can get me fired up, let's do it, man. Cause I need something to be fired up about in the spring. Um, I just man, here's my opinion. You guys can completely disagree with me if you want. I can go to Oklahoma. I can go to Texas. I can be, I can be in hogs in about two hours and I can kill as many hogs as I want. I can kill them anyway. I can put Tanner right in the corn if I want. Doesn't matter. Um, you can kill them however you want to kill them. And there's no limit. Everything. Yeah. There's no limit. There's no, <laughs> There's no, it gets dark. You just pull out the the night optics. I mean, there's no limit. Um, and so it's such a fun time. Like if I have an opportunity to hunt in the spring, I would rather go chase hogs where there's no rules and there's no limits rather than go out and kill one bird. That's just me though. I would, so I would say, and Chris, Chris might've done me a little bit of a service there making me sound like a more of a, a turkey expert than I, than I should then I deserve to to be told, but hey, that's when you just ride it, man. You're just like, <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, whatever. Um, I don't know. For me, I find that oftentimes with turkey hunting, 
the most fun is in the failure. It's in that yeah. failure point. Um, because it's, it's such a mind game. It's such a chess match out there with the Turkey that if I walk away and either the bird, you know, I, I busted the bird or something didn't go right, or I've even missed turkeys before, um, shooting at them, you know, I, I never walk away feeling disappointed. I feel kind of transformed by the, by, by the experience, you know, and it's, it's so much fun to learn from the failure and take that to the next day or the next hunt. Um, and this is applicable to all hunting, but I feel like turkeys in general really teach you lessons at a deeper level than a lot of other wild game do. Um, just because I, I almost feel like they're thinking like, I, it, it almost feels like turkeys wake up and go, there's a hunter out there trying to kill me today. And I'm going to make him feel, feel pretty bad about his, about his morning. Um, <laughs> And hey, I don't like, I just like killing though. I think that's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I did, however, though, this afternoon actually, I told Chris I was absolutely just destroying a, a Chinese buffet. And uh and he said, You gonna make it through the podcast? And I said, Don't worry, dude, I got coffee. Um but I was on my way home and I have my five year old in the back seat and I turn to come onto our road and in the backfield, I see what I thought to be turkeys. And I'm like, Oh crap, it's Turkey season. There's turkeys in my backyard. And I instantly turned into a Turkey hunter. You know what I mean? So I ran inside, I grabbed my recurve and I run out the back door and I start, start heading the way that they were. And, uh, and I get there and they were all Turkey vultures and I'm like, dang it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but i was I've done, I've done that a couple of times you're driving down the road you're like oh man and then you're yeah. just like oh no that's not i right. was pumped though for sure uh, what do you guys I, think give me some input here and if you have an answer if you have an idea shoot me a text shoot me an email find me on social media because i got to figure this out in our hometown we live in a little town country town seven thousand people there's a huge water tower and it's smack dab in the middle of town. So it's not like something... And I've looked around too. Like I've went, drove around the water tower, like kept eyes open for something that had died and I can't find anything. But the last three days now, there's been 30 plus turkey vultures on our water tower. And I can't figure out why. They're not swarming it. They're not flying around it. They're just... They're all sitting around our water tower. Any ideas? Maybe they're just... Uh, maybe they're just uh, putting a finger in the wind trying to see if they can catch a scent. Cause that reminds me of a, uh, last time I was out here, I came about two or three weeks apart and one, it was about two weeks apart. And on the first visit, there was this cow making this noise. I mean, it sounded like it was dying in a field far away and it just would not stop the whole time I was out there bow hunting and I was like, that can't be good. And then I came back about two weeks later, uh, and there were birds all over the place, but also downwind. Ooh, it was uh, it was a little rough, <laughs> a little so, fragrant. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think I had caught it at the moment and the resolution. You haven't been drinking the water in your town, have you? That, hey, you want to know something? <laughs> I, my wife, she's a true crime junkie. Like my wife, like listens to podcast and and uh, last, well, I guess twenty twenty. Now I was going on a bear hunt in Maine, and she's like, "Holy cow, you're driving through." you're driving through Boston. I'm going to come with you. We got to go, you know, see where the Salem witch trials were and all this stuff. And I'm like, are you serious? But she's all about it. 
And uh, first thing she said was, something's in our water tower. Like, there's somebody dead <laughs> in our water tower. And I'm like, sweetheart, I think you're going a little too far with this. Um, because I, I don't think anybody could get somebody up into the water tower. Anyways, um, no, I'm just, I'm, I was curious to know, like, it's been driving me crazy. Um, and I have no idea why. You want to go climb it? Not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I don't want to get arrested, but um, no. Now, uh, when when is is so is tomorrow opening day there or? Yeah, yeah. youth was last weekend, but uh, opening day is tomorrow. Very cool. So, um, who's so Isaac? You're kind of doing the guiding there for Chris. Am I right? In, in a way, I, I I don't know. I think Chris and I, you know, we've hunted together before. We're a good natural team. Um, I think he and I have a pretty similar philosophy in terms of how we approach our hunting. Um, yeah, I got a good lay of the land here, and then uh, he'll bring some some calling. I've the only real calling I've tested is to my dog, and so if my dog gets good and pissed, I feel like I'm doing something right. You uh, you just talk to the birds, remember? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chris gonna bring um, a couple couple cups of coffee. Try to have a conversation with them while we're out there. There you go. There you go. Um, you just said something that that piqued my interest. You said we're kind of a good natural fit. We've all been on a hunt with somebody, and I'm not gonna name any names, <laughs> but we've all been on a hunt with somebody, and you're like, okay, I'll never go on a hunt with you again. Um, whether it be you don't like their hunting style. You know, you're a running gun type guy. They're a slow it down type guy, whatever. Um, but A, how do you go about finding a good hunting partner? And then B, how do you know when somebody is a good hunting partner? I would say that's a great question. And, and I've hunted with numerous amounts of people. I mean, as a young guy, especially in Virginia, where we have great public land opportunities, but we also have a lot of private land opportunities. Um, you got to get to know people and you got to make friends in the hunting community. If you want to have access to the full range of what Virginia has to offer. Um, and so for me, I mean, a lot of it is before the hunt, right? If I can sit down and really gel with that person before we even consider going on the hunt together. And I know you can't, control that every single time you know sometimes you catch an invite this and that you you just show up and who you got is who you got but uh, i feel like you know getting to know that person before and just seeing if if you're you know have, swap hunting stories see what they're you know see what really gets them going um you know like you and i just were talking here you said i i'm a killing guy i want to go kill hogs and i'm saying i want to fail on a hunt you know and, and what does that mean for if you and I went on a hunt together, you know, kind of, kind of piece those things together. I don't know. Chris might have a completely yeah. different. No, I think that's a good point. I think after all that said, I think the biggest thing with me is just, uh, if it's going to be a firearm season, if I just tell people, you know, look them in the eye and be like, Hey, I'm going to do this by the book. We're not flashing each other, safety on. If you have a problem with that, we're going to not even start today. No harm, no foul. But the second something like that goes wrong, I'm walking. I think if they can handle yeah. that, that tells me a lot about wh where their mindset's at. Yeah. No, the reason I ask, though, is because, you know, I've got some really good friends who 
you know, I'll go on vacation with you. I'll have you over for dinner. Like we'll do whatever we want to do together, but I'm not going to go on a hunt with you. We've tried it. We don't mesh, you know, for whatever reason, um, we just don't click in the field. Um, and then I've had guys where I, I don't like you, you know, like I'm not going to hang <laughs> out with you. Um, but we get along super great in the field. We have the same, the same hunting philosophies. You know, we, we have the same standard of what we want out of a hunt. Um, same standard of game too. Uh, I found that to be an issue. Um, you know, if you're hunting with somebody who, you know, is only holding out for booners and you're like, dude, I'm killing a forky. It's not going to work. Um, but you know, perfect example. And, and, uh, I love it when I talk about him cause usually I get a text, but, uh, my friend Aaron Zeesh, he's absolutely like the last person that you think you'd go on a hunt with because he's one of my best friends, but he's crazy. Like he's sporadic. You know what I mean? Like he's just off the wall, always doing crazy stuff. And the first time I went on a hunt with him, I'm like, how's this going to work? You know what I mean? Like dude's going to be out doing something dumb cartwheels in the field or something. And, uh, but I tell you what, dude, when the door shut on the pickup, it was like, we're hunting and don't, don't giggle. Don't like we're hunting. And, uh, and then as soon as he killed his, it was a hog hunt. As soon as he killed the hog, it was right back to just fun and games. And I'm like, that's what I want. Like, yeah. I want somebody in camp who's going to be fun. Who's going to be, you know, joking around. Who's going to be, you know, peeing off the back deck naked and, and, and doing crazy stuff. But I don't want that in the field. And there has to be that switch. There has to be that. Okay. Now it's time to hunt. And so that's why I asked, because there's been a couple of times where I've ran into that issue where I have to tell somebody, I'm like, listen, we can't hunt together no more. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're a friend of mine, but we can't hunt together no more. You know, sometimes you can find hunting partners, uh, by not hunting. I got a buddy who I go backpacking with and he and I, we, we run at the same gear, although he probably shifts down a little bit for me. He's kind of a billy goat, but, um, we will just put miles on. I mean, out in Colorado, we did two 14ers in a day, one day. And, uh, you know, I, I broached the topic of hunting together and, and he, has no interest in killing an animal, but he does like the idea of elk meat. And so we've worked out a deal one of these years uh, coming up when, when family situations are right, I'm gonna go out to Colorado and we're going to go deep in the mountains and get an elk and just, we'll split it. I'll, I'll kill and we'll haul it out 50, 50, but he's the only other person I know that would, would go to that high altitude and just do the, the hard pack out. See, that's my kind of friend right there. Hey, I want to go hunting with you, but you do all the killing. Like, okay, <laughs> let's roll. I'll give you his number. I had a friend one time. We uh, we had gotten to a group of javelinas and uh, just an insane amount of javelinas. Pretty much as fast as you could shoot and reload, there were javelinas. And uh, we got down on a group and, and we were laying down ready to shoot. And I said, okay, you count. And uh, and then we'll shoot. And he said, okay. Bow, 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 bow. And I'm like, serious like i didn't get a shot off and i look at him like yeah we're not hunting together no more man because <laughs> you like killing as much as i do and uh that ain't gonna work you know <laughs> now one question isaac i know i know chris has been on the show one question that i ask everybody uh fred bear was big on his field notes and so i like to ask people and, and we'll make this turkey specific since it is turkey season since you're the the Chris proclaimed turkey expert. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. What's one turkey hunting tip you got for us? Something I can take and put in my back pocket and make myself a better turkey hunter with. Well, it's it's probably the 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 tip oldest time here, but when you're turkey hunting, in my experience, if you feel like you've waited long enough, wait another 15 minutes and then wait another 15 minutes 
And then maybe 30 minutes after that, you've actually waited long enough. Yeah. Cause I've had turkeys, you know, that I think are blown or they, they got hens somewhere else and they're, they're wandering in the other direction. I stand up and they're 10, 15 yards away and I just busted them and they're gone. Yeah. Um, sometimes they're not always going to talk all the way up to you. So, you know, patience is the game and that's tough, right? You know, cause your, your instinct is I got to find them. You know, if I'm not hearing them, if I'm not seeing them, they're not here. Um, yeah. and, and that's not always the case. And, and I'm sure tons of, of turkey hunters better than I w- would say the same thing, but that's, that's the kind of thing that a lot, when I, when I was first getting into it, a lot of guys would tell that to me and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I'll do that. I'll do that. I promise. And then I'd get out in the field and I wouldn't do it and it would backfire. And so, um, and I'm sure tomorrow we might even do this, you know, make the same mistake, but, um, that's that's the thing that I would just try to emphasize to people to keep in the back of their mind is be patient. Um, you know, don't be afraid to make make a decision, make a move, but you know, do it with decisiveness, but also do it with with keeping in mind that, you know, patience is king out there. And if you make that same mistake, Chris is gonna look at you and be like, dude, you said this yesterday. <laughs> like I know I know, know I uh I really put myself on the hot seat with that response. Didn't I? <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, was one time talking with Zach Farrenball from the hunting public, uh, who has become just phenomenal at spotting and stalking whitetails, even in places you think it's impossible. And, uh, I asked him his biggest tip on spotting and stalking whitetails. And he's like, you know, sometimes same tip, uh, different, different format, but he's like, you know, we'll see a deer, um, hundreds of yards away and, and we'll stalk in and, and, you know, you think to yourself, okay, I'm 20 yards from where we saw him bedded down. And, but I can't see him anymore. I can't see horns. I can't see, I don't hear him moving. I don't hear, he's like, and there's been times I've waited for three hours and I'm like, the deer has to be gone. Like I've sat here and the deer's gone, uh, from where we saw him to now where we're at, he's moved. He's, you know, and then you stand up and he is out of there. You know what I mean? He's like, dang it. You know, he was still there the whole time. I just had to wait a little longer. Um, and so absolutely perfect tip, man. Chris, what's your tip for us on foraging? Uh, I'm glad you, you went that direction because that's where I was going to go. Uh, you know, last time I, I think my answer was just take it all in. And I think this year uh, I'll just double down and say, you know, if you're out here during spring. Don't talk turkeys, to turkeys. <laughs> don't, hey, don't <laughs> talk to turkeys. But um, no, if you're, if you're out there turkey hunting, hey, you got all those morel opportunities. Uh, it coincides a lot of the year. But then go to seasonreport.com try uh, you know start up a free trial see what's in season not just for the spring but for the fall i i'm starting to educate myself so much more about the habitat where i hunt you know up here we have pawpaw fruit and they're blooming right now and so if you see these downturned purple flowers come back there in september maybe early october and you're going to be able to get some some fruit that's indigenous to the americas or you know that just keep in mind of all the different food opportunities around you. And as we were talking about earlier, if you can get a few different pieces together at once, it makes for a great meal. Yeah. I would, I would highly recommend you to, if you're going out into the woods in any season, any date, any hunt, uh, familiarize yourself with foraging opportunities. One time I was in, uh, well, the same bear hunt, I was in Maine and I see this berry and I, I had no idea what it was. And so I took a picture of it, um, moved on. And later on, it you know, in the week, um, I was like, oh, hey, I forgot to ask you, what is this? And he's like, 
holy crap, you found some of those? I don't remember what they were. Uh, and he's like, dude, that's those are phenomenal. Like, and those are only found in this area. Like, those are those are some of the best eating you'll ever have. And I'm like, crap. If I would have known that, I would have grabbed them. Um, and so, yeah, I would just say familiarize yourself with everything in the area, any possible situation that you could come up on. Um, to stick with the theme of the episode, uh, let me give a quick thank you to our friends over at Nick's Knife Works. Uh, talking about going back to the art of something. Um, for the longest time, I ran, and I still do. I still love, uh, you know, uh, like a uh, outdoor edge where I can flip blades in and, and have an, a sharp knife. But I had kind of lost that art of hand-forged beautiful knives. Uh, my friend Nick from Nick's Knife Works um, right here in Kansas, he makes some of the b- most beautiful hand-forged knives, and he'll custom make them however you want. Um, so, you know, if you tell him, hey, I want it on my bino harness, and I want it oriented like this so I can grab it out quick, that's how I'll make it for you. Um, and so getting back to that that just art of beautiful hand-forged knives, I know it's going to hold up. I know it's going to be sharp whenever I grab it. Um, I, I know I can put it through the ringer because it's it's well built and it's a work of art uh go check out my friend nick at nick's knife works on instagram uh, because he makes some beautiful knives gentlemen thank you so much guys for coming on i uh, i hope you guys yeah. what's the limit of turkeys there uh one in the spring one in the spring so you guys can kill two collectively yeah i did not just give them permission to, go, <laughs> to go out and kill two birds collectively they can kill two birds um well Hopefully, gentlemen, um, if you guys are listening to this episode, hopefully uh, I'll have a picture and the picture of the podcast artwork will be these two guys sitting behind some big old birds. Hopefully. Hopefully. We would we would love to see it. That's if Isaac that's if Isaac doesn't blow them out by getting up too soon. That's it. Yeah. That's if I <laughs> that's if I can be patient. If we yeah. don't, it's just gonna be a disappointed photo of Isaac. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just him with his head hung down, <laughs> defeated. I like it. So you guys will know just based off the album cover cover, you guys will know if they're successful or not, because <laughs> it'll either be a disappointed picture of Isaac with Chris looking mad at him, or it'll be them sitting behind two birds. <laughs> or it'll be Chris sitting behind a bird and Isaac looking disappointed or vice versa. There we go. I don't <laughs> know. We, I think I think we could have a little shared success there. Yeah. I sure hope so. One of you's got to not like killing as much as the other, though. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you guys so much for coming on. Uh, I wish you the best of luck this weekend. Go out and kill some big old birds. Guys, if you're out in the field chasing turkeys, I would love to share in your success. So make sure and shoot them over to me on Instagram. You can shoot them to me on my email. Um, I've said it thousands of times before, but thehunting101podcast.gmail.com. Shoot them over to me. I would love to share in your success and see those birds. Guys, thanks for listening. You guys have a great week, a great spring. Get out there and chase some turkeys. Peace.